Thank you for joining us on the Underdog Podcast, the place where we believe at one point in your life, you were an underdog and overcame adversity. And for that reason, we want to hear your story. I am your boy, Calvin Blackman. And I am Kyle Decker. This episode is powered by the Job Center Staffing. Hey, Deck, what do Kansas City, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans all have in common? Simple, Black. They're all cities in the U.S. Come on, man. Our guest, Tom Crabtree, played for teams in all these cities. I wasn't sure where you're going with this. And you're terrible with directions anyway. That's why they have GPS. Let's get back to Crab. He went from undrafted to Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers. Man, do you even know the odds of that even happening? I do. One in 500 million. Where the hell did you come up with that number? (laughs) What can I say? I'm pretty smart and good with numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, this is going to be epic. Welcome to the show, Crab. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? Doing good, doing good. How's it down in uh, sunny Florida? Um, hopefully sunny. Too, yeah, well, a little too sunny at times. I, uh, being a Midwestern boy, I miss I miss my seasons. I miss fall, especially you know this time of year with football. Um, you don't really get that down here. There's no crisp, cool air. No, uh, no leaves on the ground. It's just uh, it's a thousand degrees and humid. It's crispy right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like a crispy, it's crispy 35. So yeah, yeah. Don't miss it too much there. We got plenty country. up here. If you want to come and visit, we got it for you. I, I, I'd take a little taste of it. You know, I'm not saying I want to come up there and spend, you know, actually live there again, but Hey, you know, I'd, I'd go up for a day, you know, freeze my butt. Up for a day. <laughs> no doubt. Well, speaking of small hometown, your ex home, I guess you're still your hometown, Bloom Carroll, uh, to mm-hmm. then Miami, and then to undrafted, then to Super Bowl champion. But the biggest thing I'm proud of you is that you are on Wikipedia with three dogs. I've never seen such a thing. I started looking at Brady, Breeze, anyone that has you know made it, I guess, in the NFL. But you have Molly, Annie, and Opie on your Wikipedia page. That is one hell of accomplishment. It is. It's it's one of my my proudest accomplishments. Um, next to uh, being on this fine podcast with you <laughs> fellows. Um, so whoever whoever's updating my Wikipedia, they're going to add this this podcast appearance next. It's going to be next. Oh man, I, I just it's it's wild to think about from our freshman year at Miami as young eighteen year olds to now uh, I'm interviewing you on a podcast and I look at look you up online and I see your dogs on the Wikipedia page. It blew my mind, man. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, uh, man. Small little Granville, Ohio, and Carroll, Ohio. You know we're we're big time now, podcasting, talking Super Bowls, and and dogs on Wikipedia. It's yeah. pretty awesome. And before I turn it over to my partner Black here, Crab, I had one question for you. Considering this will be released for the Packers Chiefs game on Sunday Night Football coming up here, uh, who do you consider a better friend, Aaron Rodgers or Kyle Decker? Mm. <laughs> Careful what hey, you do there. No, nah, no. Nah, I hey, I'm gonna be straight up. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I gotta go with my boy Deck, man. All those there all we those go. Hot, good times we shared, those nights we spent together, you know, freestyle rapping in the bunk beds and um yeah. That's right. Man, hey. I, gotta, I, gotta go I love you, Deck man. Booty. I love it. Yeah, there it is. Deck <laughs> booty. Yep. What's a uh what's your best decker story? PG. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, short and sweet. Is there a PG story about me? <laughs> I don't know. Most I, are- honestly, yeah. I mean, if we're talking PG, I mean, it's gotta be, um, 
it's and and I kind of just mentioned it. The freestyle raps at you know two or three in the morning when we we got back to the dorm room sober or not even when we got back like <laughs> I yeah I was already in bed you know I was I was asleep and you know getting my rest probably going to get a workout in the next morning. Decker you know he he strolls in I, I don't want to say stumbles in but he strolls in at two or three a.m. and and he he graces my ears with with this beautiful freestyle rap and um he's a he's a real talent. I think something you, something you just said right there is you were going to get a workout in and there's a reason probably why Kyle Decker and I are standing here and you are a retired uh, ex NFL uh, superstar. So we didn't, we didn't pick up on that early on. Yeah. The, yeah. I guess too busy freestyling at 3am. Yeah. See how that working out for us. <laughs> I, I was a big, uh, I was a big meathead is what you're saying. And I totally agree. So About I don't know, looking back, I would, I wish I had participated a little more in some of those freestyles and not worried about, you know, bench press the next day. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, so let's, uh, I want to transition a little bit, man, and talk a little bit about your, uh, your career. And for those who don't know you, obviously there's a lot of uh, information and content out there, you know, regarding your NFL career and, and the success you've had. But uh, for those who don't know Tom Crabtree from, you know, early on, uh, talk a little bit about your high school. Uh, who was Tom Crabtree, uh, you know, as a high school football player? You know, were you heavily recruited? You know, were you, were you always looking to play college football? Kind of a little bit about uh, your time in those days. Yeah, I I think I always, and even before high school, it was a dream of mine to play college, college football at a high level and then, um, you know, move on to the NFL. Um even I, we've got a home video from, I was probably in, I don't know, third grade. And I think it's at like a family, family picnic or 4th of July party or something. And, you know, just one of those home recordings, random video. And, uh, I said something about, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be in the NFL. And, uh, the only thing is I said, I'm going to be one of the all time greatest running backs. So I was kind of, <laughs> I, I didn't quite get that. Um, You're a little big, but yeah, it, it <laughs> It, yeah, that's why I played Pee Wee running back because nobody <laughs> wanted to tackle me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it was always a dream of mine. Um, and then you know, going into high school, going through that whole process, I wasn't always the most athletic. Um, and obviously, even up in the NFL, I wasn't the most athletic guy. But um, you know, I, I tried to make up for it in little ways. Uh, pay attention to the details, uh, whether it's you know blocking. Uh, running a route, um, just knowing where to be on the field, try to limit my mental mistakes and just stand out in a good way each and every day. Um, and along with that, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, I busted my butt and had some physical gifts and tools. Um, but yeah, I know I'm kind of dragging on now you're good. a bunch of answers, but um, what I wasn't heavily recruited, I would say. Um, got a couple scholarship offers, obviously Miami. Um, got another one from Eastern Michigan and I think that was about it. Um, so yeah. What does it feel like to, uh, Kyle and I've talked a little bit about just some different statistics, but I'll ask you this kind of open ended question. What does it feel like to, uh, to hit the lottery? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild. Um, you know, you, you think of how many kids play high school or play, you know, any sport that has a pro sport at that level, like 
how many kids played at a high school level, peewee, and and very few. I, I forget what the percentages are. You guys might have it in front of you, but it's insane how many actually go on to play in the NFL or Major League Baseball or or any of that. Like I, I look back at it and it's it's like, man, like is that really the odds? Like they're that stacked against me, I guess. But it uh you know, I found a way. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And we talked about it a lot, you know, for all of us that go into college and think about where our careers are going to go to the professional level and, and it, it, it one less than one, 1% actually makes it to the professional level and to, to win the Super Bowl. Um, it's even less than that. You know, we, we did pull up some stats from NCAA. Yeah. I got the uh, black and, and Decker those. stats here, crab, uh, the, the, how you, it. how you hit the lottery. So here we go. One in uh, one million high school football players uh, are usually play each year, roughly. Unfortunately, I think it's going down a little bit. Uh, Seventy-three thousand go on to play college at some level. One point five percent move to uh, from college to professional, and then you know, obviously, a fraction, uh, and that's I think believed to be drafted or undrafted, and then obviously below percentage of there. So we figured out there's not exact science of going from undrafted. Two Super Bowl, but I think it's like one in like 500 million legitimately uh, in the world. <laughs> it's- so you you literally and obviously you made the lottery happen, but we were talking about it. It was like, dude, that's that's insane. Like you, um, which is really, really cool. To, the fact that, you know, I think I, I was obviously part of your journey to uh, that accomplishment. But man, what what an incredible when we start doing statistics on it. Like, man, that that is wild. Yeah, it really is. And and each and every step of my journey, I guess it was like, you know, there, there were times in my head where I was like, okay, this is probably it. Like I should enjoy it. You know, whether it be this is my senior year of high school or, you know, this is my senior year in college in Miami, you know, but I just kept, uh, I kept finding a way. Um, I don't want to say it was all me, but it was, it was all, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was, <laughs> you get, you do, you do have to rely on, on the people around you. You have to get lucky. Um, I know people don't like to say that, but I think it's a combination of maybe it's not luck, but just right situation, right time. You know, there are guys that, um, would have been better tight ends than me at the time. Um, and certainly were, but they just, they never stuck on with the team. And uh, it's unfortunate because they busted their butt. It just wasn't wasn't meant to be. It didn't work out. The situation wasn't right. Um, so I'm I'm really fortunate to to have had all that play out and work out the way it did. For for the for the average listener uh, who doesn't really get the experience, you know, the being undrafted, uh, you know, what was that? Can you talk a little bit about what that process actually is like? Um, we all have seen the draft and everything, but then once the draft is over, there are hundreds of guys who get calls from teams and get called up uh, and kind of goes behind the scenes. And then you look up and you always hear the story of he was working at Kroger last week and now all of a sudden he's out here catching touchdown passes in the NFL. And it doesn't really work that way, but in the mainstream, that's how they try to hype the story. So can you talk a little bit about what that process was like for those who don't understand really what it does mean to be undrafted and, and those odds? Yeah. So the whole process for me, I, I kind of planned it out to graduate, um, in December of my senior year, you know, after our senior season had ended, but also before, uh, the whole draft process and, you know, the, the combine, the, the, um, all those pro days before all that happened. So I had 
I want to graduate December and I had a plan. I was going to work out. I was going to stick to this plan. I had certain measurables, you know, that they look for at the combine and pro day. I wanted to blow those out of the water. I knew I was a really good athlete in a lot of those areas and put up some good numbers. Um, and, and I did like a few months later, early spring, late winter, we had our pro day at Miami and I, you know, compared to some of the tight ends that year that got drafted, like my measurables certainly were better than them, but that's, you know, that's not the whole story. It's what was on film, uh, how I did in the interviews, um, all that stuff combined. Um, so then, you know, fast forward to the draft in April that year, 2009, um, I legitimately thought, and it's probably one of the first times like I've given myself enough credit and, and believed in myself that way. Like I legitimately thought I was going to get drafted. Um, and maybe the people around me were, you know, they were like supportive, but behind my back, they're like, okay, Tom, like, yeah, you're not getting drafted, but sorry. Get a job at the job um, center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it was, uh, I sat there through those few days and the, the structure of the draft back then was a little, a little different than it is now, but I sat through those few days, um, not necessarily stressing in the early rounds, but you know, it got into like fifth, sixth, seventh round and I'm like kind of holding my breath. I'm watching the phone. I'm I, like, you know, my family's kind of a little, a little tense, a little stressed, um, and it never happened. Um, and and crab and, and crab to add on to that, your you know considerably your best friend, right, and other tight end gets drafted, right? Yeah. So that yeah, was, and that's I I was gonna um, I was gonna say that before you interrupted me, Kyle. <laughs> um, Welcome to the world hey, over here. Yeah, <laughs> man, my old roommate. Oh just, my he's God. Yeah, he, he just reverted back to our old uh, roommate days. All right, your old Jeez. roommate's gonna be quiet. Go ahead, proceed. We're going we're gonna to close the show with a freestyle from you, right? Oh, I don't yes. know about that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, we'll see. We got time. We got time. But anyways, yeah, it's um, – yeah, so for those who don't know, um, we were pretty pretty blessed at the tight end position, in my opinion, uh, in our days at Miami, um, obviously with me. But we also had um, one of my best friends, um, good teammate, good guy, and, and one of the most impressive, like, overall athletes I've ever been around like this guy for his size and some of the stuff he could do. We're talking about Jake O'Connell. Um, he was like, I was always really jealous of his, his physical tools and like the stuff he could do. It was, it was amazing. Um, but yeah, he got drafted. Um, I don't, do you have that in front of you? Kyle? I know I it was six was or seven. Seventh? Yeah. Six or six seven. Or yeah. yeah. So he got drafted and I'm like, you know, I'm super happy for him, obviously. I think I, I called him or texted him, congratulated him right away. Um, and then I'm like, okay, like, you know, it's now it's my turn. And it never happened. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he got drafted by the Chiefs. So then I didn't end up getting drafted. And then the whole undrafted free agent chaos signing process starts um, right after the draft. So – you know, teams are eyeing guys that didn't get drafted that they have on their list that that they want. And um, I, I got a few calls from a few teams. Um, I think I know the Bengals were one of them. Um, and then obviously, I, I forget if there were any others, but Bengals and uh, Chiefs. So, 
you know, my buddy Jake, he gets drafted. He's he's probably pumped and and probably thinking he can get the hell away from me. <laughs> but but then, you know, I'm like, I'm like, hey, this is a pretty good situation. Like, and it it wasn't because Jake's there, it was because it really was like for him and for me that tight end position there was kind of, there was a lot of unknowns. I think they had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they had just moved on. Tony Gonzalez had just left there. Yep. Yeah. He just moved on. He wasn't there. Yeah. They had lost him and you know, it was kind of like, okay, who's the tight end? Like nobody really knew or heard of the other guys or, um, so looking at it on paper, I was like, man, I, I gotta go give it a shot in Kansas city. You know, I, even though my friend's there, he's he got drafted and everything. Like, I, if anything, we can compete like we did at Miami and make each other better. You know, I think to an extent we got each other to that level um, with competing against each other every day. Weight room, um, video games in the dorm. Like, we were very competitive, uh, but still good friends. And, you know, that's kind of how I looked at that situation when I decided, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to sign as an undrafted free agent with Kansas City and see what happens. It's a crazy story, isn't it? Most people don't know that whole story. Right. But the connection between the two guys, and and they were all in the same dorm. I was Tommy's roommate in Wilson Hall, and Jake was with Jared. And uh, I was two quarterbacks, Mm and I'd like to say that me and you, Crab, would take down O'Connell and uh, Elliot, but we'll – We'll leave that debate up, and we'll maybe uh, have to to scrape and pull and send it to those guys to see see if we can uh, trigger trigger some reactions. But um, no, that's that's an incredible story that most people don't. And then, right, Crab, if I remember correctly, then you get cut from Kansas City. Then you're working out in a local gym, right, before you get signed by Green Bay. Is that right? Yeah. So I get I sign with uh, Kansas City right after the draft, April two thousand nine. Um, and so, you know, right away I, I got a chip on my shoulder. Um, whether they do or not, you feel like everybody's kind of looking down on you as not only are you a rookie, but you weren't even drafted. Um, and you've got, you know, 10, 15 year veterans on the team. So, uh, right away, I'm, you know, like I always do busting my butt and, you know, putting in the work I need to put in and, um, I made it all the way through, you know, the spring and the summer workouts and the mini camps, uh, made it through training camp, um, played in, I, I got cut. So technically I got cut the last round of cuts at the end of training camp, but they immediately, they signed me back to their practice squad, which is pretty common. Like they're like, Hey, look, you, you know, it says a lot about you. You did great. Like we, we got to cut you because we don't think you're ready to play right now for week one, but we want you on the team. We want you ready just in case. Like you, you could be a lot of those guys are, you know, a work in progress. Um, so I was on the practice squad up until like week three, I think. Um, and then they cut me for good. And that was, you know, that was tough getting, getting that phone call. I think it was like a Tuesday afternoon, like a day off. Might have been Monday. Getting that phone call, you know, I'm hanging out in my apartment, just chilling, you know, living the dream. Got got my wife. I had just gotten married in June of that year. And um, you know, we were enjoying Kansas City, it's a nice city. And then all of a sudden it's like it's it's over. Um, you know, we're cutting you this time and 
And, you know, they try to be nice about it, but I, I kind of got the vibe like I'm probably not going to bring me back. Definitely not anytime soon. Um, so that, that I took that kind of hard, um, you know, because I, I was right there. It felt like I had it in my grasp and it was it was gone. It was over. And now now what? Um, so the next move for me was to uh, find a place to work out and, and keep at it the last thing I wanted to do was lose all that progress physically, mentally, all that progress I had made up until that point. Um, so I had to find somewhere to work out and feel free to cut me. If you guys, if you got a point or something you want to say, go ahead. But I just had a quick question because I, mm-hmm. I, I love this story and you know, the roller coaster of emotions. And I think a lot of times you've touched on it, but a lot of times, you know, um, guys who get drafted or go on to get a chance to play in the NFL and you could be on a team on a Tuesday, cut Wednesday and sign back on Friday. So that roller coaster of emotion, uh, you know, what does that do to you, obviously, when you're going through that and every day you're going to work not knowing if I'm going to have a job tomorrow, especially being a guy that you said that they don't think is going to be ready? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird feeling, man. Like, uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I think I'm kind of paranoid. I'm into conspiracy theories anyways, but I'm kind of a paranoid person by nature. Um, but what, even when I was on the team, like walking into the building, like the coach, it was Todd Haley at the time. And um, uh, shoot, what was the GM's? I, it's totally slipped my mind. The guy that he was in New England. Uh, oh, uh, Lombardi. Piol- right? Scott Pioli. Or Scott Pioli, yep. Yeah, yeah. But walking into the building, like even I'm on the team, you know, well, technically, you know, practice squad. But if they would look at me a certain way or like <laughs> my interaction with them felt weird, I'm like, oh, I'm deaf. They're cutting me. They're cutting me now. Like, and I was like that all the way through, uh, you know, from mini camps all the way through week three when they actually did cut me. So um, I was eventually right. Uh, <laughs> my, my theory was correct. But uh, yeah, it's it's really tough. You You got to be. You know, mentally, that's the biggest thing. You got to stick, stick with it. Um, you got to kind of, you know, know what your end goal is, like what you want, and um, and try to see it through. You can't. You, as much as I might have been paranoid or stressing about it at times, I really big picture and overall, I I couldn't worry about what I couldn't control. I I did my thing. I did my workouts. I impressed them when I could. Um, tried to take advantage of opportunities, whether it was in practice or preseason games. And, and that's all you can do and see where it leads you. And then you controlled what you controlled, like you said, stayed in good shape, kept working out, keep the momentum mm-hmm. moving forward, and then got signed soon thereafter, right, for, for Green Bay? Yeah. So I had – oh, my God, I can't believe – I can't believe I'm uh, going to forget some of these details here. I, It was at Thanksgiving that with my family that I got a call. I can't remember if that was a call for to go, I think, to go have the workout maybe. Anyways, yeah, up in Green Bay. So I'm in Ohio Thanksgiving with my family that year, 2009. Uh, I had been working out, you know, in Kansas City for a few months and uh, stuck with it. Um and anyways, eventually had a workout with the Packers and they, they liked what they saw. Um, and I think they called me back. It was like a couple weeks later. They didn't sign me right at the workout. It was like a couple weeks later. Um, 
and, and they won the sign me their practice squad for the last few weeks of the 2009 season. Um, and that was, that was pretty surreal. Um, the chiefs, you know, they have a ton of history there too. So when I signed with them, I was like, man, this is, this is awesome. This, this franchise, they have a ton of history, super bowls and, you know, all these great players in their past. And then, you know, Packers, it's just, it's on another level. You walk in there, all the trophies and all the, the legends and numbers retired and it, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the town too. It's, that's what that city runs on. It's Packers. Um, so and I had a lot of family members who before I even went there were um, Packers fans. So it was unreal how that worked out. Yeah, that's incredible just to think about going from, you know, undrafted, then you're there, then you're cut, then you're working out, and then you're back in Ohio. <laughs> like you're at Bloom. I'm guessing you're around Bloom Carroll, around Groveport or that area. You know, yep. back in the old stomping grounds, and all of a sudden you get a call from Green Bay, go work out, they don't right. sign you right away, and then you're there, and then boom, now you've you've uh, you know made it. And um, wow, what a what a story! And I remember going up the first time was ever to come see you play. I don't know if you remember this, but. You guys were playing Denver, and uh, this Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow yeah. was with the Broncos, and Aaron Rodgers, and you guys put up like it was like forty-two to seven. He put like up six touchdowns, it was insane, like three for six touchdowns, yeah. and Tebow didn't do too well. Um, hence why he's playing baseball, but um, and, and and kneeling, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he, uh, you know, it was incredible though. But to your point of like the culture around uh, the fans were just super wasn't like in any other stadiums I've been in like they're just super super avid um their cognitive level of football like their their football knowledge was was really at a high level and it was just a great environment I mean it's just it is a special place anyone that hasn't been there highly recommend but so glad you got signed even though I loved you had been at our 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 I'll say it Cleveland Browns um I know man our brown, uh, maybe our brownies would have won a Super Bowl if you would have went there what do you think of that? Oh man, I know they should sign me as like a, I don't know some kind of assistant or something. Just let me <laughs> hang out and watch them win a Super Bowl. Just yeah, hang out on the sidelines. I think Baker Mayfield needs some help right now. So <laughs> maybe maybe we get you back and uh, you still working out? Or we we get you back in in the in some pads and help our help our oh, boys no, in no. Cleveland. You, you don't want to see me on a football field right now. It's not <laughs> not, not going to be a good situation. Yeah, I saw you had a um, like a. Um, what do they call it? Not the man pouch, but you, 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 there's a picture of you with, uh, what do you call the little pouches that you wear? Well, the, the fanny pack? Fanny pack. Yeah. What's up with the fanny pack? Come on, man. What do you mean? What's up with the fanny pack? What? Come on. Don't hate on the fanny pack. Next, <laughs> <laughs> you got a natural thing. No, seriously. Like, I think I bought it kind of, I bought it kind of jo- like half jokingly, but then I found like, wait, this thing is actually like, it has a purpose and, it really like it was really convenient for like go, going to an amusement park or the beach with the kids or something like I've got all my stuff in my little fanny pack and I'm good. Like it's not falling out of my pockets or any of that. Yeah. So it's uh hashtag fanny I'll pack where you need to be a sales rep. I think you, you do well. Sell sell yeah, fanny, I'll rock the fanny pack, get a bunch of bright colors. You'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so you, I want to go back kind of to the Green Bay piece. So, because obviously mm-hmm. you, you had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Um, so, one thing, uh, Ryan Hawk, AJ Hawk's brother, uh, obviously he's been our mentor. I'm not sure if you're aware of that when it comes to the podcast, but Ryan's been mm-hmm. a, a huge mentor. And one thing he talks about is the productive paranoia. So, you get to Green Bay, obviously, and you, I'm sure you're still 
uh, walking on kind of that uneasy ground. But in your mind, you're like, you, obviously, you've been in the NFL now for some time, and you say, you know, I, I know I can play at this level. Um, but you know, coming to a team that is successful and with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, uh, what in your mind made that team different um, and to be so successful uh, and to go on to have the success that they did? Man, it's uh, yeah, it just kind of clicked in my head when you said that. Just after what I said earlier about my own personal story and journey, like as far as football goes, just it's been a lot of hard work, but it's also been I've caught a lot of breaks. I've right right place, right time. Um, so I think even for that team as a whole, like man, the timing of some of the, how some of the stuff played out and it everything just fell into place. And on top of that, like we, you know, we had some really special talented guys, um, good leaders, good locker room, good coaches. Like it was, it was just like the perfect combination of everything. Um, and I think that's what it takes um to win at that level. You look at any team that's won the Super Bowl, they've got, you know, there's times where they're down middle of the season, they've got a bunch of injuries and they, you know, it doesn't look like they're going anywhere. And they find a way. Things fall into place. Backup players step up and make plays. Um, and, and that's what it was. I couldn't pin it on one thing. It wasn't, oh, we had the best coaches or we had the best quarterback. It, you know, I, I think we did at the time. But I think there were so many other factors at play and, and things that fell into place. It just almost like it was meant to be. And, um, you know, it's that's how it is sometimes. And what would you say, Crab, from – like talking about cultures, I think you can relate this to business, right? To a certain aspect, a team is obviously an organization or it could be a business, right? What is the difference mm -hmm. between Packers and say the Bucks? Because obviously, or the Bengals, or the Bengals. But but you've been on you know two teams. The Bucks obviously weren't as you know as as a winning organization. <clears throat> you went down there. Like what separates that? I mean, I know from Miami or when you're at Bloom Carroll, but at the professional level, like is there certain culture items or is it come to coaching or is it organizational? Like what, what could you recommend that someone could translate to the business world or what to value or to, to really, um, you know, put time and effort into building? Man is, uh, you know, it, it's kind of weird to say it this way. Maybe it's not a hundred percent true in sports because, you know, a lot of that is about physical talent, but, um, it's not always about, who's the smartest, who's the most talented. I think it, it's about the people in the room. Uh, and when I say people, I mean the people, their hearts, you know, what kind of person are you? What kind of people do I want to surround myself with? Um, you know, it's, it's not about, Oh, I, I have the best team. Like they're the smartest. They do this the best. Nobody else comes close to us. Well, that's great. But can you guys stand to be in a room together for more than five minutes? You know, there's, there's places that are like that. It's a toxic work environment. Nobody wants to be there. And then you have you have other places where, hey, you know, I'm I'm happy. I'm with this group. I wouldn't want to be with anybody else. And that mindset and that positivity, I think that energy, um, you know, it, it makes up for what wherever they're lacking in other areas. Uh, I, I and I know this is again. I want to kind of relate this to the casual fan because as you're watching the NFL, a lot of times people are watching, it's like, I don't know, you know, why is my team bad? Why is my, we just have play calling sucks or whatever it is, but you made a comment yeah. about, uh, you know, a good locker room. 
as opposed to probably a, a bad locker room or the culture. Like in your mind, what makes up a good locker room? What does that What does that mean when you have a good locker room? Uh, you know, within a good organization. I I think it's guys. That's a really good question, and it's one I can't, you know, answer with certainty. If I could, I'd be. I'd be making still. I'd be making tons of money as like a <laughs> consultant for a team out there somewhere. You'd be you'd be right uh, next to Sean McVay or ex teammate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'd be telling him, "All right, here's the personality <laughs> traits we're looking for in this combination," and you know. Um, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, I. I don't know. Say, ask me the question again because I, I got a little off track. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, what, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you, you know, someone who's just watching football on a Saturday or Sunday and you always hear them say yeah. a good locker room, you know, what does that mean? I, right. Guys policing each other and in, in different, different aspects like that. Yeah, it's, I, I think, um, you know, and I would compare the Packers. I, I was with the Packers for a couple of years. I was, I was with Tampa, which is kind of, polar opposite uh culture wise at the time and um i was with them for a year and i think what it was it it, you know trying to create a good environment and locker room in tampa it felt forced it felt it didn't feel natural it didn't feel things just didn't click like it was i don't know And, and on top of that nobody um it just felt like guys were on different pages all the time um whereas in green bay it was like it was supernatural, just very not supernatural like ghosts, but just very natural um, for guys to come together. And it was just easy to hang out, to um, to hang out in the locker room, to go do stuff outside of football, to go to dinners, to go, you know, do other stuff together, go to uh, Bucks games, Brewers games. Like it was, I don't know, we were genuinely, man, it, it just worked out. It came together. They were genuinely good friends of mine and still are. And um, I, I think that's what it is. You can't force it. A lot of it is luck. A lot of it's got to fall into place. Um, yeah. You remember when uh, we went to the Brewers-Pirates game and people thought I was Mason Crosby because I was sitting next to you and like three other dudes talking about teammates oh going gosh. to games? <laughs> I forgot. Oh, I forgot about that. Holy cow. That was a fun day and evening. Yeah. Speaking of, my, my man Mason's still going strong, game winner. Game winner the other night. Okay. So, I didn't even know he was still in the league. Who's he kicking for? Come on, man. Oh, he's still with your your pack. Oh, man. Decker. See, I, I, Deck booty. I, I'm deck booty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we, why don't we explain? Because I think that needs an explanation and I don't want to explain it. So, Crabtree, why don't you tell the listeners why you call me deck I, booty? You, you need to explain. <laughs> I'm not explaining that. It's kind of weird. All right, fine. I will explain it. I'll throw myself on the sword here. Weird for me to explain. You need to explain. <laughs> so all the guys in the locker, talking about locker room culture, I guess maybe maybe I was, you know, maybe I was part of the glue, right, Crab? Um, they would always say. No, let me interrupt you real quick. Like, all kidding aside, guys like you in the, excuse me, in the locker room are like perfect, great teammate, great guy to have around. And, and I, I mean that sincerely. Like, you need guys like Decker um, in your locker room. So I, I just wanted that. to throw that in there, buddy. Hey, yeah. that means a lot. So. I appreciate that. But back to Deck Booty, why he calls me yeah, Deck so Booty. Yeah, so now tell us about Deck Booty. <laughs> so all the guys in the locker room or some of the um, – let's see here. 
how to politically state this. Well, I'll just say guys in the locker room said I had a big booty and I walked with a stick up my butt. So they called me. And a lot of it re- resonated from the guys, our, our partners down the hallway, Jared and, and Jake, as we already mentioned. Uh, they started the whole... Your partners. Hey, deck booty. You, oh, you're walking man. with a stick in your booty. And so, uh, yeah, so now everyone, you know, this is going to go, I don't know, if I wouldn't say viral, but within the job center for sure. Uh, so I appreciate that crap. Good good looking. Hashtag. I'm going <laughs> to... Hashtag deck booty. I can't hashtag that. <laughs> Hopefully no one out there updates my Wikipedia page with my, my roommate. My roommate's yeah. nickname. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, guys. Oh shoot! I think that's awesome. <clears throat> um, do you want to do some rapid fire? Yeah, let's do some rap. So, crab. Every oh, episode no, we do the worst. We do rapid fire, and uh, and you'll do great, dude. You, you're you are uh, you're must see and must listen. You are uh, you're intelligent man, so you'll do fantastic. So why don't you? Why don't you rip it off? Uh, first question. I've got one that I want to ask. Um, so I was at the dentist yesterday, uh, random story. And as I'm leaving, I, look, I noticed on the wall in the background, there's a family picture. Uh, they were all, the whole family standing on, uh, on Lambeau field. So I said, are you guys green Bay fans? And they, they said, yeah, absolutely. So I went around and said, doc, you know, uh, interviewing Tom Crabtree tomorrow, you know, are there any questions that you would, uh, you know, like for us th- that, uh, that we could ask him that you'd be curious about? Um, and one of the questions were, um, who would you most want to see win a championship, Ohio State, Miami, or Green Bay? Mm. Careful now. <laughs> I got to go with my Red Hawks, man. Okay. There okay. we go. Okay, good. I was wondering it's, where you got to go. Been, it's been too long, man. Yeah, my too year. Long. 03, we'll, just, we, we'll leave it there. Yeah. All right, next question. What is your, since I was there for your first tattoo, if you remember, you came back to, for, after first semester with uh, the cross on your on your arm. What is your favorite tattoo that you got? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, favorite? I, I think I got to go with, I've got my wife. I got my wife's name and my children's names on my chest and ribs. And, and here's the whole, while we're talking about that, and I love that answer, it's perfect because in my preparation, <laughs> I knew you were going to throw something like deck booty or something out there to get me, get me rolling. But when he came back, it's a true story. When he came back with a second tattoo was Chelsea Lane, right? Am I correct yeah. with that? And yep. I, I just thought he was crazy, man. <laughs> who, who rolls in <laughs> as an 18 year old man? I get, he was a man, not a boy. I was a boy. And he had his girlfriend's tattoo, first and middle name, on uh, on his right peck, I believe. And I just thought that was the craziest thing. And then you know what? He went on to marry her, so it all worked out. But see, high school sweethearts, and now here we are, mid early thirties. You know what? Kids, you had visualization. Three dogs. Yeah, visualization. We talk about all the time or self fulfilling prophecies. You wanted to marry her, so you uh, got her tattooed on your right peck. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> Actually, you're to your right. As you look at me, it's uh, my left. Ah, oh, okay. So, See, there you go. Yeah, it's okay. Sorry, he, I lose. He probably saw it at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, know it's left to right. I it was probably in a freestyle. It was in cursive, I believe. <laughs> I can read cursive, so I was like, "What does that say?" <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, next question: Who would win in a fist fight? Um, your former teammates, Clay Matthews or AJ Hawk? I'm gonna go with AJ. 
Ohio. Okay. okay. Dayton. Dayton, more specific. I think we're going to get yeah. him on. We're hoping to get yeah. him on the podcast so with, we'll, the, with the Hawk, Ryan Hawk oh, yeah. connection and then with you. So we're, we're hoping to get, uh, old AJ on the, on the, on the podcast. So we'll, we'll let him know that you got his back. So and plus, absolutely. Plus, he's, he's, uh, he's a tough son of a gun. I'll tell you that. Um, not that Clay's not, but you know, he's, he's not as tough as AJ, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a, uh, I did AJ's podcast a couple of years ago. Is he still, do you know if he's still doing his or no? Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. He's still, we, yeah, is we he, actually okay. watched part of your episode, which is good. Um, nice. and, okay. uh, you yeah, he's your, your take on Skip Bayless. We won't go down that road, but that was phenomenal. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. I assume <laughs> it's the same take I have right now, but right. Uh, probably. Like hear it yeah. From my own voice. You let them have it, <laughs> which I love too. All right. Here's a good one. Relating back to that freshman year, you were the best call of duty player that I knew. PlayStation um, or Xbox? I that was that. yeah. What was that? That was Xbox, Ooh. right? Where would you That's play? Tough. On? I've had both. I've been kind of back and forth. Uh, I think I had Xbox then. Yeah. So who's, yeah, because I played Halo too, and Halo was a uh, Xbox. Or that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I think it was maybe Halo. You, but I remember uh, Tommy always had uh, the headset on, like yelling at little kids before class, which was unbelievable. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I took video back then because it would be incredible to show his kids right now. But speaking of these, kids, these kids, yeah, it's no, crazy. I was just gonna say these kids these days, they have no idea. They couldn't handle the uh, the the proximity chat that was in those those older games ten years ago, fifteen years ago. You know, they're Fortnite now. You can't. They don't allow you to interact with your enemy. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, that's another. Topic. So who would? So you have a son, Bryce, and I think he plays some video games. Who would win right now in Call of Duty? You or Bryce? Man, that is tough because I just made a you know took a little jab at Fortnite, but I enjoy that game because he enjoys it. He kind of pulled me into it, and it's something we have in common. It's insane how quickly an eight nine year old progresses and picks up a game like that compared to a thirty three thirty four year old man. I you know I've hit my plateau pretty hard and been there for a while, and he just keeps climbing the mountain like. He's he's got some new skill, something new he's doing in the game every day. So I think um, he's he's probably about to be able to kick my butt in any video game now. There you go. Now this might trigger some of your uh, followers or anti followers. Who would uh, win, or who would you root for? I should say, in a game, lions or bears? Um. <laughs> The loaded question. Wait, so they're playing they're playing each other lions versus bears yeah like if you had to choose one team to root for if you okay. had to like if they were like hey someone was out yeah, there if like, i had to yeah who would you um, want to win well, n- number one i would want to know how the outcome impacts the packers okay and then i root for you know i want the best scenario for the packers i told you and then number two like if that didn't matter I would go with the Lions because they've they've always been relatively harmless. Like, who cares? Let them win a game. It's not a big deal. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it because, right. man, your uh, your tweets and your like when you get after Bears fans, it is incredible. First of all, that is oh man, man they get heated. You're a troll. Oh, you are you trigger. You are the king of trolling. I'm, Cr- king of definitely. trolling. Yeah. If you haven't seen, if you're listening to this and it, it's crab, right? It's crab is your your Twitter handle. Yeah, it's yep. a must. A must 
watch. I mean, when he gets it going, I mean, it is incredible. Like that, he just like I know. I think he ruins people's days it's, sometimes. Honestly, <laughs> it's been. I'm not on there as much as I used to be. I've I've kind of gotten a little softer in my old age, but yeah, I used to rip rip the uh, Bears fans apart. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty fun. So I, I have a good time on there. So I want to transition a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit. This is a bit more for you know your little bit of focus on family and, and your wife and different things. So, um, one question is your wife into football? Uh, yeah, she is. She, um, she supported me and watched all my high school games, college NFL. So, and she still does to this day. If we're sitting down watching a game, she'll sit down and watch. Who's her favorite team? Uh, Packers. Okay. Wise choice. I, yeah, well, I I don't think she had like a she wasn't a diehard for any team growing up. Um, she moved around a lot when she was younger. I think she like she might like the Dolphins and Broncos a little bit, but then uh, you know when your when your husband wins a Super Bowl with the Packers, you kind of uh, you, know, you don't have a choice in the matter. Here's another one for you. What is your favorite date night activity? Uh, we being high school sweethearts. Uh, I got to say, you know, simple little dinner and a movie. Okay. That's all, that's all we need. Netflix and chill. Okay. I see you. I see you. Yeah. 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 Okay. There we go. All right. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so you don't take her to Taco Bell? I know you love Taco Bell. So you guys, is that what Netflix and Taco Bell or what's the, what's the deal? Nah, we've stepped up a little bit. I don't, I don't uh, drag her out to Taco Bell as much anymore. You know, we, we, we try and find like a nice sit down place or I'll at least take her inside Taco Bell rather than the drive through. We'll sit down inside. So she, she likes that. Now here's one for the kids. Now, do your, uh, do your kids play football? It's a two part question. Do your kids play football or do your kids play sports? And would you, will you, or do you allow your kids to, to play football? Obviously with a lot of the studies with CTE and different things that are going on mm -hmm. now, what are your thoughts and beliefs on, on that? Yeah, so my son, um, both my kids are into sports um, and after-school activities. They're, they're always doing a bunch of different things. Um, my son, he's playing baseball right now. Um, he loves baseball, which is good. It's good. Go play baseball, be a pitcher or something, or golf, you know, join PGA Tour. That's what I tell him. Uh, no contact. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so getting into football, yeah, no, I, I – he loves football and I hate that I have to tell him, buddy, I'm sorry, but you're not playing tackle football right now. Yeah. You might have friends that do. That's fine. It, that's their choice. Their parents' choice, but no, he's not playing tackle football. Uh, we'll cross that bridge. Maybe, maybe in junior high, high school, yeah. maybe we'll, we'll discuss it. But right now he does play uh, flag football. So it kind of scratches that itch for him and you know it he enjoys that he's hyped for that that season starts in a month i think two months so he's pretty uh he's pretty pumped he'll go straight from baseball to flag football yeah i love i love following seeing uh tommy out on the flag football field and baseball and he's even got a legendary imagine this these kids this is unbelievable we're mean mean crap we're talking about this they have a super bowl champion coaching him in flag football and they have, I believe, a World Series champion, Troy Gloss, coaching him in baseball, or at least a high level. I don't mm -hmm. know if he won the World Series. But, I mean, imagine that as a little kid. You know, you got two yeah. ex-players. His son is being coached by 
by a Super Bowl champion and a Major League Baseball player. It doesn't get much better than that, man. But to your kids, you're just he dead, was, too, uh, right? He was World Series, World Series MVP. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was. Holy yeah, like, not, like, forget Super Bowl champion. <laughs> you mean a World Series MVP coaching your, your son? Jeez. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Little old me over there, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I think I played like 10 plays in the Super Bowl once. <laughs> I caught a, a one-yard pass. That was pretty cool. What did you do? Oh, you hit a bunch of home runs and did some cool... Like, you were the best player in the whole series of multiple games? That's neat. <laughs> that is... Now tell tell a little bit as we transition. Well, two things. One, I wanted to, you know, I think you've done a lot of great things in the community. I know one thing that hits close to home, especially with Chelsea, your wife, is diabetes. Kind of talk about your involvement and the passion uh, of your outreach to help that, you know, raise money and awareness for for diabetes. Yeah, so uh, my wife, Chelsea, she's had type 1 diabetes since she was four years old. Um so she's kind of grown up and, and lived her life and not really known any better. Um, and it's, it's a daily thing. Like there's little challenges that come up. There's, um, you know, she's up in the middle of the night, her blood sugar is weird. Um, and, and trying to figure that out. Um, you know, emer- emergency room visits here and there to, to get, you know, crazy blood sugar numbers checked. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's kind of a roller coaster ride, but you know she's tough, way tougher than me. I don't know how she does it. I tell her that all the time. Um, and so it was pretty natural. It was easy for us once uh, I got settled in in Green Bay. We wanted to get involved, and you know, charity wise, like something near and dear to our hearts, and that was a no brainer. Getting involved with JDRF, um, and you know they they do a lot of research and you know, that, that fight to find a cure for type one diabetes. So that's who we want to work with. And we did, um, and we still do to this day, I go back to green Bay and work with them and, um, you know, raising money, doing, you know, charity auctions, doing walks and, you know, supporting online campaigns and stuff like that. So I, I try to, I haven't been playing for a few years, but you know, that's no reason that I can't, uh, support a good cause. Well, thank you for, you know, continuing to do that. I know that means a lot, I'm sure, to her and obviously a lot of the mm-hmm. folks that are affected by that. And then uh, the kind of good transition into, like, what's, what are you doing now? If you want to tell everyone, um, you know, how, how transition from the NFL, what you're doing now, obviously very involved with your kids, uh, Bryce and Delaney and your, and your wife, Chelsea, but and your three dogs. <laughs> what else? Yeah. What else? What else? Uh, what's going on in the life of Tom Crabtree right now? Yeah, so I'm staying busy with uh, family. I'm I'm working from home, which is nice. You know, got some flexibility there. Um, and you know, people ask me all the time, "Are you going to coach? Don't you want to coach football?" And I I was always like a hard no. Like, no, I'm never gonna. I've seen what those coaches go through, and I don't think I could do that. Um, but with that said, I'll be uh, coaching my son's flag football team this year. So <laughs> that didn't last long. I'm going to be a football coach this fall. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's it, man. That's all I need is staying busy with, with the family and, and sports and activities. And, you know, we went to Legoland the other day and yeah, just finding, there's plenty of fun stuff to find down here in Florida for us to do. And, you know, our kids love the outdoors. We go to the beach. Um, 
I don't know if you know, I have three dogs. Play with, <laughs> play with my three dogs. You need, you need uh, Twitter handles for all of your dogs. So we need to, we need to make that happen. That's a, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. The underdog. We'll put the, your dogs under the underdogs and be just alive. You know, that'll help, that'll help grow our brand. I like it. It's a natural like fit. It. Yeah. So what, yeah. speaking of uh, social media, Tommy, how, how can people that are interested in following you, um, how can they engage with you online? Um, pretty simple. Uh, I think on all three major platforms, uh, my username is at, at it's crab. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, hit me up. I usually, I'm not on there as much as I used to be, but I'm always kind of checking, you know, I, people might not think I do, but I see the messages and I really do. Um, I reply to a, a lot of people and not that I'm getting a ton of stuff now, but, um, when I was playing, I was, I was getting a few messages here and there. Um, but yeah, just, I don't know. Reach out to me, ask me a stupid question, say something funny. I don't know. Make, make me mad and I'll block you, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's I think that's whatever. awesome that you stayed engaged, you know, when you were playing and staying engaged with the fans and I know that goes a long way, uh, you know, for, for definitely for people who've, who've looked up to you. So I think that's, that's cool. You know, especially for, I know Kyle talked about it, you know, a lot of people know you as crab with the tattoos, but you know, for some people listening, know you as crab before. So, so you haven't changed, man, which is, which is a good sign of good character and keep doing the things you're doing. Yeah. We really on, on behalf, uh, crab on the, on behalf of the underdog podcast, man, can't appreciate you more for your time. And I know you're, you're busy and we, we love to have you. We'd love to have you on. Hopefully we can continue on down this journey. Maybe get down. Hopefully we're, we're rolling and rock and rolling in the hundredth episode or something of that sort. We'll get you back yeah. on see what you're up to. And, uh, and, um, you know, really, really appreciate it and, uh, love you buddy. And, and anything you can ever, we can ever do for you. Just let us know. And, and, uh, we really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you guys. That means a lot. Uh, appreciate you reaching out to me and we got to do one in person. So I can give you, give you boys a hug, you know, deck <laughs> booty, man. Give a little, little pat on the back, you know? Yeah. And, and before we wrap, <laughs> before we wrap, we'll let deck booty wrap. Oh, uh, yeah. all right. Let's, let's see if I can, I need like a beat. Patrick, our producer, can you give me a little bit of a beat? Okay. Here we uh -oh. go. Oh, uh oh, oh, hey, uh -huh. deck on the flow. <laughs> we got Crabtree on the microphone. Don't you know? Oh, we on the podcast. Oh. I look like I'm in last, <laughs> or I don't even know how to rap. Don't you know? This is K Deck on the microphone. Boom. What do you think? That was pretty rusty, but you, you and sober. What? I think that was sober exactly. And rusty. That, that was the, exactly the rap you did in college. <laughs> that was the word for word. <laughs> Shoot, that's a hey, great way to end. I never thought I would rap again. So hey, if you did anything well, let's today, hope he doesn't. You made me rap. So that that is uh, if that that means anything to you, that was uh, that felt it. good. It was a little rusty, a little a little slow, but that was good, man. I love it. That's what I love about Deck Booty, man. He's a, he's a good dude. Just a fun guy. Fun guy to be around. You know, like I said. Locker room guy, man. That's hey. you. That's Deck Booty. That's the guy we all need right there. No doubt. Well, thanks, brother. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch. All right, guys. Take it easy. All right. See you, brother. Thanks for listening to The Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps. And send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at Underdog Pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free T-shirt. See you next week on the UDP podcast.